Hey guys, and welcome to the Candidly Crew podcast. I'm your host, Chesley White. And I'm your co-host, Maureen Register. So we have a great show for you today, and I am super excited for us to talk with Kimberly Bailey, Senior PM of Brassfield and Gorey. Uh, Kimberly was recently past president with Crew Upstate, and she's also a good friend of mine and yours. So I'm so just... good she was going to let me call her Kim instead of Kimberly. <gasps> right? Shame. She <laughs> just... So um, without further ado, let's let's bring her in and, and get going with us. Hi, y'all. Hey, Kimberly. How are you today? I'm excited. I get to spend an hour with you guys today. Or should I say 30 minutes? Is that <laughs> yeah, the right? Yeah, yeah. We'll around drag there. it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm doing good. 30 minutes with you guys is always a good refresher for the week. So I'm super excited mm-hmm. and I'm ready to jump in. All right. Well, so we've been friends for a while, um, and professionally, I know a lot about you and a little bit about your career, but I am really interested to hear how you got started. Like, how did you get into construction? What was your thought process along that way? Well, I can't say that there was a lot of thought in it. I I will say I knew where I wanted to go to school, and so I charted that path. Obviously, I Um, small town girl growing up on a farm and I think I wanted nothing more at that time than to see you know what the big city was like and of course you know that's Auburn Alabama so let's be honest Um, so that was kind of my first step away from um, home and so I actually started in civil engineering and did not do well I'll be honest with you for somebody that likes to check my boxes and hit my marks I was I was my freshman year in civil was tough. Did you go to Auburn? I did. Okay. Um, my grades were not great. Engineering physics was just not connecting with me. They they said it was a weed out class, and it certainly <laughs> it <got> was. <laughs> I, can, I I live to tell the tale. Um, and so I remember walking out of a test where I got a 25, and that was scaled, let me tell you, um, and thinking, wow, this this is not what... I expect out of life like I can do better I want to do better and I wanted to do something more interesting so what does a student do that doesn't know where they're gonna go with life they go to the student center and do a I guess an assessment survey that kind of lets you know your skills Um, and so I did that and everything told me math math teacher um, accountant which I had family that a were CPAs. I mean, no offense. No offense, Marina. And I knew I could do it. I knew that, like, numbers I was good at, I could do it. But I just, there was something more I wanted out of life. And I wanted something a little bit more um, kind of outside, like, where I wasn't sitting at a desk all the time, just kind of doing a bunch of different things. Not that that's what you do. I don't sit at a desk all the time. Right. I mean, so judgmental here. Um, and so I, I just kind of threw that paper out (laughs) and, uh, re-enrolled as architecture believe it really? or not so, see I am like wow. hitting both of these marks oh my gosh, with these I never ladies. Knew that. Wow. um and so it, it was a poor timing to to switch over and so I, I talked to the school counselor about it and she's like well we can enroll you in some building science classes and those will transfer over into the architecture program and I was looking at like not finishing for five or six years mm-hmm. from school so like not only was I not doing well in school, I was also um, looking at this prospect of having to spend a long time in school 
Um, well, which, I mean, a long time at Auburn, though, so. True. At least it would have been fun. <laughs> but, you know, I did want to be out making my mo- own money at some point in time. And so, yeah. um, so I did. I enrolled in architecture, and I had my first week of classes, I had some architecture classes, kind of intro classes, and then um, we had an intro to materials, methods, and equipment that would have transferred into architecture. And I'm telling you, I walked into that class, and I just knew. Like, I got this vibe. I had this feeling. Um, I was with like-minded individuals, and it was just really relaxed. But, like, the content, too, was really interesting. So, all in all, I left saying, whatever this field of study is, this is what I want to do. And so, I went back to the the counselor, and she said building science. And so, I re-enrolled at that point in time after my first week into building science and kind of started that trajectory and I I honestly never looked back it was exactly it checked all boxes that I wanted and um, I really enjoyed it it was a good group Um, you had to be part you you did your first two years and then you enrolled into like a 30-person class and that was your class through the duration and so it really fostered a lot of camaraderie teamwork and you know honestly set the stage for what the career is even now I mean everything's about teamwork now yeah very true can so, I, sorry, can I ask a small question? Go ahead. Sure. How many women were in your class at 30? Oh, good question. So believe it or not, I was with a group of four women. I was one of the four um, out of 30, okay. which was a very large percentage. I think probably one of the first they've had of that size. Um, and then it seemed to increase kind of as they went. But I still hold each of them in my heart. Like, it, they, it was a good group of... 30, and then it was a good group of the four women, like, you know, one of which still works for Rassfield and Gory, which is fun, and then my two other girlfriends um, are kind of all over the U.S. doing different jobs, Mm -hmm. one with Southern Company and one with Holder Construction, and I think they're all still with their same companies, which is pretty, um, says a lot about, I think, some of our devotion and our commitment um, with our companies. So how many years did it end up taking you after the switch? Um, so I did um, get out in four and a half. Hey, but I that's did, pretty good. I know. I did a study abroad <laughs> thesis that allowed me to um, finish during the summer semester, my thesis semester, and then I went back and walked with my graduating class. So I actually started working for Brassfield and Gorey before I got my diploma, but okay. I was a full-time hire at that point. Okay, wow. So what was your role when you came in? So I started in estimating in the Birmingham office. So obviously my next step up with big city life is Birmingham, (laughs) Alabama. Um, And it was perfect. I love Birmingham for so many reasons. It's, you know, it felt like a big town at the time. And it, in many ways it is, um, but it still had that small town feel. But -hmm. it was a step up. And then my career kind of went from there. Um, I moved out to Jackson, Mississippi for a job. which was interesting. It, it, it stretched me a little bit. I was a single female in the construction industry, and I moved away from even the comfort of knowing towns in Alabama to a town in Mississippi that I never thought I would move to. And it was it was a lot of fun. It was um, it was it was a great experience. And then you know the rest is history. I ended up in Atlanta for seven years, and then I've been in Greenville for almost seven years. So this bustling metropolis. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I've got to ask, you know, for being a female in the construction construction industry, especially one where you're in a role where you're supervising subs and you're running projects and things like that. 
how does that go down? Like, inter- do they respect you as a female? Do you have a hard time kind of commanding the, the site to, to get things done or it, has it not been an issue? Um, I would say probably young when I was younger and um, more inexperienced, I struggled with really s- stepping into that role mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I don't, I can't say which light bulb moment happened when I started feeling comfortable in my skin. I was always confident and I always knew, I knew what I was talking about, but I still was kind of inexperienced in the field. And so I didn't want to kind of overstep that line. Now I'm not scared to really ask questions, even if it may make it look like I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know about that particular subject that they're talking about. But I will say subs have a lot of respect for me, or so it seems. Um, You know, there are some that come in and they're not sure, but they will sit back and wait and watch before they render judgment, which is good. I can tell which ones are kind of timid and like, hey, I'm going to see how she does before you know, I, I approach her more direct. Um, and I do hope that they see my confidence, and it seems like they do. And it doesn't take them long to figure out that I do know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and I do have experience now, and I'm not scared to share it. And I'm also not scared to tell them when I don't know something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important for them to understand that, like, I am willing to admit that I don't have all the answers. It's the follow through and me coming back and saying, okay, well, I've dug in more detail. Here's your answer or how are we going to approach this in the best way for a mutual, mutually agreeable resolution? Yeah. How long have you been a project manager and or senior project manager? Um, So my first position was estimator, um, and really that was short-lived. It was a year, um, and it was a crash course in healthcare estimating um, before I rolled out to be an APM on a project. And so in total, I've been with Brassfield and Gorey over 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent probably the first 10 years in healthcare construction. And there's a, you know, some of us joke in the healthcare industry that once you have done healthcare construction, you can pretty much do it all. I will say, having lived that and done a project in downtown Greenville with zero lot lines, um, there was a little bit of a learning curve there. I I was dealing way more with public protection in ways that I didn't in the healthcare environment, which is more infection control protection. Um, And so I learned a lot. and so, yeah, 15 years of experience, still have a long way to go. Like, I, I learn something new every day, and right now I'm starting a mission-critical project, and so I'm learning a ton in the mission-critical world. Um, and so I think that's the best part of the job is continuing to learn different things. How does family come into it for you? Because I know, like, my husband's in construction, and, you know, I really don't want him to get sent to another job that's like out of state or, you know, sometimes that can be tough. Did you guys struggle with that any or has it all kind of worked out? Thankfully, it's worked out. Um, Obviously, we work for a great company that has been um, really awesome. And to kind of give some context, my husband works for us as well. Um, So that does help. However, he joined us well after we were married. So it wasn't a a situation where we met at work and, and and it was just a unique situation where he came on after we were married. Um, but they kind of have wrapped themselves around both of us. Um, he did do some work away when we were initially moving up to Greenville. And that was tough. I mean, selling a house, 
I had an 18-month-old and um, a three-and-a-half-year-old, you know, while trying to, you know, show our house to get it sold, and then he's renovating this house up here. That was pretty challenging, and I look back now and, like, how did we do that? I can't mm-hmm. tell you. I honestly can't. It's all a blur. <laughs> we survived. That's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, just do it. Um, but it's, it was a wild ride, and, and honestly, we've, we've had a good run of it. It's been a lot of fun, and you know, the opportunity in Greenville allowed for us to come to a smaller office, which was a little concerning, um, mm-hmm. just because with smaller offices, there's not always that guarantee of sustainable work. In Atlanta, you pretty much had a really big radius of where you could work, um, not really here. So, um, and I mean, like I said, we've been here over six years and we really haven't had a situation where he's not been able to make a day trip somewhere. Um, and thankfully for me, I've, I've been lucky enough to do jobs here locally as well. I mean, I could just as easily be the person traveling, um, you know, but. Yeah. So what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? So I, it, it seems a little cliche, cliche but um, learning something new every day is huge. Um, I get to deal with a lot of people on a daily basis. Like yeah. I really do. And a variety of people, you know, you, I could be talking to a laborer that cleans the floors, you know, to a CEO of a company, you know, like it, it, it really runs the gamut. Um, and so I really like to be able to talk to different people, learn about different backgrounds. And it just, I feel, feel like it makes me a more well-rounded person just in general. Yeah, I feel like we saw that be a strength when you were president of crew too. Is that you know you had those communication skills. Everyone feels really comfortable around you, and it worked out yeah. really well. But what was unique about that situation in general is like those people didn't work for me, and so yeah. I feel like in leadership, and I, I don't want to get ahead of what y'all had <laughs> planned for today, but in leadership, it's one thing when the people like work with you for you on your jobs, but when you go to serve on a board and you're talking about leadership and that aspect, these are people that have their own job. They're either doing this for a volunteer or some people for checking the box on a resume, let's be honest. But um, being able to find what motivates those people, um, encouraging them, you know, figuring out, okay, do they work best in this environment or this environment? And uh, some people are more creative than others. And I feel like more creative people need more time and space. And when I run meetings, I'm like, and one of the feedbacks I had, not from crew, but on another situation where I was leading a meeting is they, the creative people, the creative minded people wanted more time for freedom of thought. And I don't normally bury that time in meetings. It's not really in the agenda? No. (laughs) So that was, I mean, I'm so thankful that someone gave me that feedback because I would have never, I'm just not creative. Mm. What does that look like? I'm very, like, like, agenda Is that just a pause or is that like a we'll table it tomorrow? (laughs) It was feedback after the board position. I mean, I, I, no, it was, it was probably while I was doing crew that I came about this, but thankfully um, it wasn't a situation where crew needed the creativity in the room. Mm -hmm. That was strictly a reporting back. The situation I was talking about was kind of a a startup type of organization, like nonprofit, um, how to support a facility. And um, it was about planning events and like, you know, trying to gauge volunteers and, and being creative of like, how do we pull in those people? And 
it's not like a committee dedicated just for creativity where they could go have their creativity time on their own like it was it had to be done then and that's where I struggled and I it's I, I have no um, solution <laughs> but I know going into something in the future that will require that sort of framework um, I will be a bit more prepared for the long pauses maybe yeah or like the part on the agenda where 10 minutes for creative thinking yeah yeah when y'all figure that out y'all yeah, y'all, yeah. Y'all let me know. Yeah. <laughs> do do you feel like being direct is a large like with direct with communication is a large factor in your job oh, because yeah. I could just see that not like if you weren't able to be like no it's got to be like this or you've got to do this or tell me you know tell me what you think about that like it might go awry. I don't know. Yes. So I do feel like um, people are going to hear what they want to hear in a lot yeah. of cases. Um, I do a lot of repeating back of what people tell me because what I hear mm-hmm. and what I interpret could be different. And That's if there's strategy. any ambiguity in what I'm being told, I see clarity in all things. And I think that's actually helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's been a lot of situations where I've said, you know, did you mean to to say this, like, is, is this what you're expecting? And then it was like, no, 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 this. And so it's kind of helped both teams so that I don't have to go spin my wheels and deliver something back that's not really what they had hoped for to begin with. Um, and then same for me, if I am unclear, cause if my mind's going 50 miles an hour and you just pop in my office with a question, I'm probably not gonna be exactly like super clear. I mean, it takes time for me to, to, to stop thinking through what I was Mm -hmm. in the middle of to address that certain issue. And so I tend to repeat myself. I try to make it clear. And then the follow-up question, which is always hard to fit in, is is there anything else, like any confusion? Do you know what you're doing? You know, or in meetings, I find, if there's a lot of action items and it hasn't been determined who is doing those items, Mm -hmm. then that's a problem because not everybody's gonna like take that list and say, oh, I'll do this, this, and this. They're gonna expect somebody else to do it. And so unless you, like at the end of the meeting, I I typically try to go back through action items and just say, okay, I owe you this, I owe you this, you owe me this, that, and the other. So it's super clear at the end. And if they didn't take notes the whole time, that's your time. Yeah, Get it then, and or if I've missed something, this is your opportunity, so. Yeah, I will say communication is key, and that is something with email and text messaging and virtual meetings is just, it's making it complicated. Right. To hold attention, to keep people focused, and to finish and follow through. Yeah, and I think it's super important to make sure that, like, you know, when you're, you're going to find people that don't think, like, oh, let me grab this action item, but then you have people that will think that way. And I think you tend to be like that. (laughs) What do you do with the people that never volunteer and then the people that tend to overload themselves? Because yes, that's what happens to me. If nobody's gonna pick it up, I'm gonna take it. And then I overwork myself. And then I hate myself at 5 a.m. in the morning when I'm getting up to do something (laughs) because I promised somebody I would do it. Exactly. You know, like this. (laughs) <laughs> How dare you? Thank you for that, by the way. Thank you. You can cut that out. You can cut that out. Well, I should have asked this in the beginning, but just for our audience's sake, what, I mean, can you define senior project manager real quick? Like, what do your day-to-day yeah. responsibilities look like, just so that people can kind of understand context around this conversation, like what you're, what you're doing throughout the day? 
So I, I do feel like senior project manager is a, is a definable role, but I, I, in our company, we kind of wear whatever hat we need to. So like some days I can be doing APM type tasks like RFIs and submittals. You know, other days I'm leading meetings, you know, other days I'm business development, you know. So as senior project manager, my skill set can basically cover all those items. So I really just have to be able to to jump into whatever role I need to. Um, but primarily our focus is managing other people that are managing the projects, um, keeping an eye on the finances, the schedule, and our owner relationship is super key. And so that, I, in a nutshell, I'm sure I'm missing something major there, but in a nutshell, that is my day-to-day. -day. Gotcha, okay. So thinking about back about your, what, 13 years, 15, 15. years at Breston Gorey, um, have you had any mentors within the company or maybe like outside of it? And what role did that play in your career progression? Um, so in terms of outside of the company, no, not necessarily. Um, I, and whether this is right or wrong, I kind of kept my head down and just worked. And so work was a lot for me at the time. It was, I'm going to learn. I want to learn this industry so that I can keep moving. And so my involvement in, um, industry organizations and nonprofit organizations kind of came later after motherhood and stuff when I thought there's something missing to my um, my role here and I knew that next step is you know trying to get out there and business develop connect with people um, and then really just kind of have peers in the industry you know mm -hmm. outside of the company so I feel like that came later in life and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that was such a bad thing. I think I, that is what I needed to stay focused and to learn what I needed to do so that I had the freedom to have these other external um, responsibilities outside of the company. Internal to the company, obviously there weren't a lot of females at the time. Um, we did have, I don't know, over a handful of females um, with the company back then, but we were all kind of spread out and there was really no avenue for us to connect. Um, so I had a lot of male mentors, and and looking back, a lot of them were sponsors. If you know, everybody knows what the sponsor term dictates, but where they were the ones taking me around to introduce me to people, you know, bringing me into the owners' meeting, even though maybe I didn't have to be in that one, but like the exposure helped me understand, okay, these are how these meetings are meant to be run. This is what I want to do. This is what I wouldn't want to do. Whenever I get to that point, so. I will say I had a lot of great male mentors in the industry, and we didn't label it as that. It was sure. just, it was people I worked with that cared a lot about my success um, in this industry. Um, I will say now there's such a push for the mentor situation that our company has developed a women's group that is meant to just foster communication, collaboration amongst all of our women. And we're probably, I think it's, last I checked was like almost 100 members strong if it's not already wow. uh, broached that. So to go from what I had 15 years ago to having this 100 member group is pretty incredible. Wow. Um, and we usually do an annual retreat where we have professional development and a little bit of fun mixed into it. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And I will say, I, I, I had doubts at first as to, um, what that would do for us or the image that would be created. Um, but hands down, it has been 
awesome to get to know all the other women and you know we'll do like a happy hour and I will have women come up to me and talk to me and be like hey you've been through this like what would you do here like you know charting you know uncharted territory for them yeah. that they just wanted to hear me out what what would you do in this situation so just avenues for that and then avenues to just say hey I heard you were doing a job like this and being able to pick up the phone and call somebody that is a plane flight away and feel like you know them is really beneficial too. Right. That's, you know, part of this podcast really right. even is, mm-hmm. you know, to provide like candid insights into people like yourself and, and their career path. And, and you know, if someone listens to this and they're like, hey, I'm interested in construction or I'm already mm-hmm. in construction and I'm dealing with a tough challenge, like, you know, you would be the perfect person to reach mm-hmm. out to. So right. that's awesome. I love how that works. Yeah. And, and it just being so natural like that too, when you build those relationships and mm-hmm. you feel like you can just reach out to this person, that person. So that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, and it's hard for middle schoolers and high schoolers to see that. And I would say even some college students will, you know, say, well, I didn't even know that was a major. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I really knew it. I think when I knew of it in Auburn, I thought it was for residential construction. I had no idea that there's there was this thing like commercial construction that is just bigger than ever. Um, and so once I got in, I'm like, this is a diamond in the rough. Like, who knew? And I am so thankful that it just kind of, it, it happened a long way about it, but like it really fell into place at the right, right. Yeah. You know, right time. Yeah, so. for sure. Do you feel like your career progression has been like kind of like a diagonal going up or have you kind of like moved sideways or gone up and down or, you know, what, what do you think about that? Um, so I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody it's been uphill trajectory the whole time because yeah. I will say there are times in life when it just needs to be horizontal and you have to be okay with that. Um, and that was really hard for me to kind of learn because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want the fact that I'm a female and I want to have children to ever set me back. Yeah. Like I wanted to be able to run these two parts of life simultaneously. And so I, um, as hard as it was, I will say um, when I had my first daughter, I had to kind of figure out what does life look like now? And I'm home taking maternity leave and I'm not supposed to be checking my email. I'm not supposed to be connected, but (laughs) y'all know me. Yeah, I'm connected somehow or another. I can relate on that. Yeah, and trying to find a balance with it. And so coming back to work, and it wasn't really even in those three months I took off. It was coming back to work and what does this look like with daycare drop off and sick babies and what do I do? And Honestly, I didn't have a ton of examples that I felt like I could call on. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say they weren't there, but we, again, at that point hadn't fostered the communication we do now. It's a totally different ballgame now. Um, And so I I do feel like I had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way the first year. And thankfully, my company, they knew that this would be a transition for me. And so they made sure that I had the right job assignment to go to, that I had people wrapped around me to kind of help if I needed it. And um, so I would say during some of that time, my trajectory was more horizontal. Mm-hmm. I was still learning. I was still building skill set, but I wasn't fast tracking. Mm-hmm. And hindsight, I'm so glad I wasn't. Yes. Yeah. That gave me the freedom to kind of adjust. Um, and so I will say it was after I moved up here and got settled that I feel like it really went. Really? up super quick (laughs) did they appreciate you taking those like growth opportunities like moving to a new market um did they see that as you know kind of stepping out and showing your commitment to the company 
I do. I mean, I hope I, I hope they did. <laughs> I will say selfishly, it kind of like worked for us too. I, yeah. I will say in Atlanta, we were in a situation where, um, as irony would have it, it was a little slow there and the challenges weren't there. I was with a healthcare client there and they were wonderful to work with, but it was the same people, the same sub market, the same design team. And I just, was feeling stuck. And so I remember telling my husband that, you know, like I just I want to do something different. Like I, I don't know what it is and I don't know what it looks like, but like I need something challenging. And turns out things were a little slow in Atlanta. They had a need in Greenville and they could afford bringing two project managers up, which is odd for a small office. So it really worked out um, and it kind of came at the right time. We just really needed a change, um, and it was perfect. Well, so that's that's awesome that they were that that opportunity presented itself. That I mean, how convenient, you know, for your family unit to move up here together, and and you know, no difficult situation of like you being here and him there, vice versa, and things like that. So no, it was it was wonderful, and we I am, I will say this, you know, where home and heart is, and South Alabama girl. Ended up Birmingham, Atlanta, much bigger cities than you know I was prepared for. But then moving, we just never set down roots in Al- Atlanta, and I don't think I really knew that until I moved to Greenville. And I felt like almost instantly we had family friends from the neighborhood, we had work family, so many things, and a church family that established us here that we never really yeah. had done and accomplished in Atlanta. Um, and so it was really, I, I really do think that we just knew this was home and we made the effort and and obviously Greenville's great. Yeah. So it made it easy. Do you feel like it's a small town, a smaller town kind of thing? I won't say Greenville's a oh, small yes. town, definitely not by any means anymore, but you know, compared to Atlanta, was it just, that was easier to make that kind of connection and dig in? And I do think so. And I, I think where we live now is a very family oriented community and so um, we connected with other families. We were having play dates, and I will say, in our phase of life, being able to make friends with other kids' family was super important because you just needed to be able to have the camaraderie of other parents. What are they going through? What you're going through, and just dwell in all. Yeah, of, all of life has yeah. to offer. Honestly, it, it helps so much. And when I was on um, maternity leave, I had the same struggles. You know, like I my it was like, where's my identity? Is it is it work or is it being a mom? Mm-hmm. And you know, a career was so important, so I had a hard time balancing the two. Um, and so that's it's just awesome that they supported you and and helped you like, you know, be home when you needed home, but then when you're ready to come back, like get back in it and yeah. get going. And I will say it was easier for me with my second child because I was able to prepare for what was lying ahead, and sure. I knew that that could be my last child, and so it made it. A situation where I, I wrapped, I appreciated that time more, you know, and I enjoyed it more. Because I mean, that That's could have huge. been the last twelve yeah. weeks off I ever had from work <laughs> for my <laughs> career. <laughs> so um, I will say I paused and I enjoyed it a lot more. So it, you know, That's hindsight's awesome. always twenty twenty. I was able to like take what I learned from the first round and do a little something different the next round. Yeah. Yeah. So when their second baby, you'll be ready. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> good in due time yeah so you know thinking about like career advice for someone that's maybe we'll just for an example we'll just 
throw out there wanting to get into construction. Mm -hmm. What's the most important things that they can do um, to be thinking about this or people that like, like not specific people, but types of people they need to be talking to Mm -hmm. or, you know, what kind of advice would you give someone looking to get into the construction industry? So obviously like talking to parents and, and connecting, um, with school counselors is going to be important. Um, I'm thinking like going back to like high school, what I could have done differently if I had known building science was the place to be, you know, cert, what blows my mind is, you know, Auburn was an engineering school. So I came out of high school knowing I was going to an engineering school. So like that box was checked. Yeah. Not every school offers all of these programs. Building science is not a common program. And so Alabama offers it as part of their civil engineering and like there's like a branch off of that for a more construction uh, based program, um, which we do a lot of hiring from for those folks that go to Alabama. Uh Auburn thankfully had one, Clemson has one, but like other schools don't have that. So you actually have to do your research before if you know that's the direction you're gonna go and make sure you're enrolling and applying to a school that even has that program. You know, um, so you have to start really young these days, I feel like to make sure you're locked in because some of these schools, they're so competitive now to get into, you have to declare and you don't just get to change very easily and so, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, otherwise, I mean, like, you know, with crew, we try to connect with schools, but mm-hmm. we always can't get in if we're not talking to the right people. So we mm-hmm. deal with the same struggles as a college, you know, a high school student trying to go into college that we're experiencing on the back end. We want to be able to connect, but there's not always that avenue. Sure. Um, so obviously making sure the school has the program and then starting there. Um, I think if I had done one of my preliminary campus visits and actually seen Building Science and talked about it, I would have probably been able to make that decision much sooner in my career. Um, but I will tell you, it is not just a man's world anymore in construction. I love There that. are a ton of females and it's wonderful because they bring a great skill set to the industry that is very valuable and very valued um, by employers. So just knowing that it's an opportunity is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think there's the stigma that there's a certain type of female that does this and that is also being broken. I mean, that's why you should get out there and, and see who's in these classes and meet them because you're gonna be surprised at the different types of females that are out there that are doing this, you know. Um, doing the program. Yeah, females that wear these awesome shirts with puffy shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not this style. I love your color. You're bringing a lot of color to Maria. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's see. I wanted to ask you two more things. One is where do you see yourself going in the next like five to ten years? What's your next, what are your goals? Is it in Greenville? Is my first question. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I will say we we love Greenville and we would love to keep it as our home. I mean, obviously, there's always a newer opportunity anywhere, and if that opportunity seems right for us at the time, you know, that would be the way to go. Um, so I hope Greenville is where I stay. Um, I forgot what I put in my notes about my five and ten year plan. It's okay. Other than early retirement. No, I'm just I mean, I think that's that. personally a great uh-huh. goal. Best goal. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty amazing goal. Okay, so I mean, 
knowing you, like, you know, you just finished one of the biggest developments in Greenville, which is pretty amazing. I'm sure it was a long, um, probably rewarding uh, project, but challenging, I'm sure, at some times. Um, you know, so after finishing Camperdown, where do you see yourself in the next five or ten years? What are your goals? Well, my goal would be to have a little bit of a break. <laughs> Understandable. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, um, I've already moved on to my next project, which is exciting, a new adventure, I, and an opportunity to do things different. Um, that's what I love about our industry is each new project allows you to kind of like reset, which is really great. Um, but Camperdown is one that, you know, I will always look back on and appreciate and value. I mean, that job has changed the skyline of Greenville forever. Yeah, yeah. You see it every time I look yeah. out my window. I started with a five-year-old daughter, um, and she's going on, she's 10, like in two weeks. And I mean, wow. I, I mean that was a four and a half, five-year-long project, kind of yeah. like from the moment we were talking about it to now. And, you know, every time I see pictures on Instagram of the bridge, I mean, our job is in the background. So I'm constantly reminded, and it, it really changed me and my leadership styles forever. Um, so I owe a lot to that project and that team, and we're great, very grateful we were able to be a part of, of that project. But in all seriousness, I really, I don't know what the next five to 10 years looks like. I think that's the beauty of our industry. I think that it's really you know, whatever projects are out there. I mean, at the end of the day, we're building what somebody else's vision is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so much has changed in our climate these days that like, what does five to 10 years look like for Greenville? Um, and so I'm kind of excited to see what that is. Um, right now, again, doing mission critical. So I don't know if my future role is, if I love mission critical work, and that seems to be where my skill set lies there too. And um, obviously with data centers these days, like this is a very uh, popular market mm -hmm. with That's IT sure. and yeah. data storage. So um, that could be the next path. Um, yeah, well, I, I really, that's the beauty of it. I don't know. So speaking of leadership, I just wanted to throw you a curveball. I know, get ready for this. Just like <laughs> You were past president of CREW. Okay. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a year-long commitment. Marina's current president, and given that this is a CREW podcast, what did you learn about your time as president? I mean... That's, that's got to be leadership in a different way. Um, it is. Um, I will say that was, re it was really a fun opportunity. And um, just a little bit of hindsight to all that. Um, Crew does a lot of networking um, with other people in the commercial real estate industry. And our lunches were formatted where the first 30 minutes was networking and then the program started. I was definitely one of those people that came right before lunch started and only had to talk to a couple people at my table and then sat through the program. Because, I mean, professional yeah. development, who doesn't yeah, want that? Yeah, you check that box. Yeah, and so um, over time, I remember getting an email one day where the current president said, we're looking for a secretary on the board, blah, blah, blah. This is their skill set. And I thought, you know, this could be a great way to just get involved. I could jump right in. You know, I could have been the only applicant for that particular position. But I really thought I was going to be going up against a bunch of 
folks. And I was like, oh my goodness, what if they don't pick me? What if they don't like me? So anyways, obviously they did. Somehow I got the position. I'll never know. Um, And I, it was Marina and I, our first, we both started the board together. So our first meetings were together. Executive board together. It's a great relationship um, that's still being fostered. But I went from not showing up until a minute before to looking forward to the lunches, to wanting to catch up with friends, um, talk personal and professional, which was the beauty of it. Cause yeah. it was more, more than just work. It was, how are you? How's your family? You know, what were your weekend plans? And then, Hey, what are you working on? Which I think is the best way to kind of find common ground with people is to learn more about them and then get into the business side as well. Um, and so, I will say one of my biggest learning curves just with crew in general was getting outside of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and meeting people. So now when I show up, I I can like scan the room and I know a lot of faces and I'm not scared to like talk to anybody and I want to go early. Um, One of, I will say in terms of being and serving on the board is remembering it's a volunteer position Mm -hmm. um, and everybody's got their day job. Um, but you still, like, delegation is key. Clear communication is key. Um, and the fact that, like, the success of the organization is on this group. And if we don't get great feedback from the members, we don't really know how to plan either. And I think that I have a new appreciation for surveys when they come out now because it's our chance to provide feedback for better improvement. And if Mm -hmm. we're not providing feedback, no one's going to improve. And so a lot of little nuggets there, but um, I don't regret it. It was hands down awesome. I feel like it made me who I am now in the leadership role, and I try to encourage the younger generations coming up and out to do something outside of your day job mm-hmm. because it's amazing whether it's a nonprofit or or start with an industry where you're comfortable mm-hmm. you know that's what I did I started yeah. in an industry organization where I felt comfortable that it was other professional people that I was kind of used to seeing out and about and then I moved into this other world yeah I think one thing that I always feel like and I tell like younger people is like your comfort zone is like this space here and Mm -hmm. to step outside of your comfort zone you just have to put like one foot outside of Mm -hmm. it and then that one foot becomes part of your comfort zone and then you can just keep walking yourself like a little bit further and further out until your comfort zone looks a lot bigger than it used to like secretary to president right all like what seems like overnight exactly and now i'm no longer on the board i'm not even past president and i'm like now i'm just old (laughs) (laughs) that's not fair (laughs) do you feel weird like you should be doing something that's kind of how i feel i just rolled off the board and i'm like wait a minute i feel like i should be doing something (laughs) well i and this is another little learning tool i think i said yes to a lot of stuff right there at the same time because i was so eager to get involved and to do more that I said yes too much. And so then when I rolled off the board, it was more like, okay, I need to start (laughs) kind of purging and and really evaluate my time and my energy and my resources into what I needed to do. And so my goal has always been two board commitments kind of max. I mean, I'm in the stage of life where I still, I want to be home. I want to foster like a family environment for my kids and be there mm-hmm. to talk through. I mean, they're in an age where like, you don't just get to go put them to bed and, and they're good for the night. Like 
you need conversations. You mm-hmm. need dinner table conversations to see how they're doing, what's going on at school, who their friends are, learn about the hottest game on the iPad. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have that, then you're in trouble. Um, and so just I, I kind of dialed it back, yeah. um, which has been healthy um, because it's allowed me to have some clarity on what do I, what am I going to do going forward? So right now I'm serving on the Greenville Tech Foundation board, mm-hmm. um, which is a totally different opportunity. Um, and I'm excited about, it's still really new. So I haven't overcommitted just yet, Marina. Yeah. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. <laughs> um, and then I'm, I'm doing some behind the scenes volunteering for crew cause I just can't. I don't Can't want get to away. let that. I don't want to be <laughs> I wouldn't a president let it go. that right. walks away and really doesn't still foster yeah. the organization. Yeah. I feel like we have way too much background with where the organization has been and where it's going to help continue to feed its success. Absolutely. So. And it's like once, I forget who said it, one of you guys, but it's like, you know, you start out as it being a professional connection and then it evolves into friendships. And so it's it's not only advancing, you know, commercial real estate women, but it's also just like working along, like towards that mission along with your friends. And so mm-hmm. I think that's just, it's cool. It's like one of the yeah. best things about it, so. Agreed. Yeah. And and Chesley, you've almost been part of the board as long as we have. I know, it was like what, 2015, no, 20, 2016? No, I joined in 2015. I was probably on the board. I don't know. I need to look this up, but yeah, it's been a while. I was on the board for three years um, and then just rolled off recently. And the same thing for you. I'm trying to like step back and focus more on on work and and growing the company and then obviously family life too. So I get it. It's it's a little hard, um, you know, saying no and and kind of managing your time and and being protective over Mm -hmm. it because you want to, you know, be a resource to so many people, but it's so important. There's a balance. I feel like at some point you start to say no to certain things and it's freeing. Yeah. But there is this other side of you that experienced some guilt when it's something you really would love to do. And so it, it's it's been interesting navigating that. I will say some no's have been super freeing. Some, <laughs> some have not. Of course. But so it's not always going to be easy to say no, but I'm, you know, I'm figuring it out now. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, I wanted to thank you so much for for coming today and being our yeah. first guest and thank just sharing you. like some candid career advice and and um, a little bit about yourself and life. I think it's it's wonderful. Um, before we let you go, though, we have a rapid fire five questions yes. we wanted to go through, which are it's just a little bit of fun. Just yeah. so it better be. <laughs> so um, I'll try not to embarrass myself too much. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get started, and it's meant to be like super quick. Um, and then, mm. and then we'll get out of here. So, number one, what do you like to do for fun? So we just bought a camper. What? Oh. Oh. I am becoming one with nature. <laughs> and this was only after a bear encounter. Okay. Oh well, while tent camping, <laughs> I could so, see why you wanted to buy the camper then. Yeah, I needed a little bit more thicker walls. Sorry, yes. that was supposed to be quick, but I had to but get a some camper. History. Yeah, I mean, for sure. it's been fun though. It really has. Been. All right, how often are you? This is a side question. How often are you going? Um, so we just got it about like three months ago, and we've been on two trips. That and I had to cool. go into the shop for some warranty issues. Uh oh. <laughs> but I am I am looking forward to maybe Mother's Day weekend or the weekend after doing something. Worst case, Memorial Day. Awesome. So. Favorite place to travel? Um, so I will say Europe, hands down. Mm-hmm. And this is not because I go there very often. <laughs> it's because I went there for my study abroad thesis, and it was, like, life-changing. Um, 
such a fun experience, and I have wanted to go back since the day I left. So maybe like Mother's Day weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea. Should I call your husband? Give him some hints? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Favorite business-related book or, if you don't have one, favorite book in general? Oh, goodness. So I don't have a great answer for this. I mean, the Outlander series is great. I got to book five, and I haven't been able to, like, read anymore. I really – I used to love reading. I, I just don't have as much time to read anymore. And mm-hmm. so maybe when my kids are grown, yeah. I will read myself to sleep. Just while yeah. you're in the camper, you know, just take That's 30 true. minutes long time. Yeah, yeah, while you're on yeah. the road driving to the campsite. You know, with things like Netflix, how can you, like, read it? Okay. That's true. That's well, very true. <laughs> well, speaking of, tell us the current TV show that you're binge-watching. Okay. So here's a weird weird thing into my life. Okay. <laughs> um, watching Bridgerton. Not for the first time, but for the second. Oh. Because I firmly believe that, like, you're going to miss details the yes. first time. Yeah. And so you have to watch it the second time. So I usually watch something and give it – if it's really good, I'll give it a few months and then I'll come back. So that I just started sense. re-watching Bridgerton. Bad story is I'm being super unproductive with my time, and I feel it. Maybe that's just rest. Like, that is your, you know, you're a lot of rest time. And then I take rest (laughs) to an extreme. So I got to buy it. If anybody knows how to work that out, let me know. (laughs) All right, last question. What is your favorite restaurant in Greenville? And this is a selfish question because we are very much... Foodies we love. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so, I'll tell you if you'll tell me yours at some point. Um, Schwaben House. Oh, yeah. Dijon Salmon over something leeks. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's like this fancy name, yes. but like, I'm just, because it's German and I'm mm-hmm. sure it's got a great like name, but it's the Dijon Salmon and it's over like this creamy leek. Oh, I, I really wish I could go more often. I love um, Schwaben House. Second, which is for the downtown foodies, is I've really grown to love the vegetable plate at Nosedive. I will and I'm agree not with vegetarian. You. Yes. So, yes. like, just really good. What do you, I mean, is it a, set, a set vegetable or is it like you could just oh, pick sides? Oh, it's a whole plate of a bunch of different. Yeah. It's like Brussels sprouts. And then you can add a meat to it if you want, like potatoes. salmon or whatever. Okay. Yeah, but it's a huge plate of veggies. So, like, you could totally fill up on that. But if you wanted the protein, you could throw the protein on and have, like, sure. leftovers. But it's good to know. I go to Nosive all the time. Oh. I've never, ever gotten a vegetable Well, I'll, I'll Jessica McCoy helped me with that one. That was a great recommendation. And I saw her eat it, and I had major food envy. And here we are. It's now a yummy dish for me. Awesome. Love it. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. This is going to be extremely valuable for our listeners, and I'm really excited about it. But thanks again. I enjoyed it.